Hi, I'm Jennifer Z, and welcome to the Jennifer Z Plant-Based and Happy Podcast. Here's what you can expect from listening to Jennifer Z Plant-Based and Happy. My true passion is all about helping educate you, the listener, on food, fitness, and wellness. I educate through my own story and experiences on a multitude of topics, including inflammatory conditions, women's health, plant-based nutrition, fitness, and mindfulness. It's designed to teach you how you can become your most powerful self every single day. From interviews with today's top health, fitness, wellness, and spiritual experts, this podcast is a fun and happy atmosphere. So sit back and enjoy some of the amazing interviews that I have with experts and people who have completely transformed their lives through plant-based nutrition, fitness, and wellness. And if you love this podcast and would love to see it grow with even more incredible episodes, you now have the opportunity to support the Jennifer Z podcast by visiting jenniferz.com forward slash podcast. That's J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R-Z-E-E.com forward slash P-O-D-C-A-S-T. This helps me amp up the podcast finding more incredible guests while increasing the number of episodes being published. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the Jennifer Z community. Today on the Jennifer Z Plant-Based and Happy podcast, I am so excited because I have Stephanie Kirsta and Carolyn Platter, so two amazing guests and the creator of Home, which is a meditation studio for modern meditation in Toronto, Canada. Stephanie and Carolyn are master's level clinicians in the field of mental health and health with over a decade of experience in private clinical practices, psychiatric, hospital, community, and policy levels, and teaching appointments at McMaster University, Wilfrid Laurier University, Humber College, Durham College, and Ontario Learn. Together they founded HOME, North America's largest modern meditation studio, And with Ease Inc., they utilize their expertise and knowledge in the field of neuroscience, psychology, mental health, and wellness to approach mental health education and corporate health and wellness in fresh, creative, and modern ways to disrupt the status quo and create solutions that actually work. I am super stoked to be chatting with these ladies because in this episode, we got to chat about things like anxiety and how meditation can help reduce our anxiety. We talked about the stigma that still lingers around mental health and we touch on the importance of mindful eating and what can happen to you if you are eating mindlessly. We also talk about how plant-based nutrition, moving more and incorporating some meditation are all key factors in optimizing your health and mental health. So without further ado, Let's get started. Hi, Carolyn and Steph. Welcome to the Jennifer Z Plant-Based and Happy Podcast. Hi, thanks for having us. Hi. So I'm so happy because I don't get to just chat with one incredible person today. I get to chat with two. So this is so exciting for me. (laughs) 
That's so sweet. Thank yeah. you. So let's talk about your stories because I'm so interested and, and I'm sure that your stories are super amazing. Like how did you come to create home and the meaning behind the name, which I'm really interested in knowing. And then that moment that you both decided that this venture was something that you were just going to have to do. Like it was just going to have to happen. Wow. Okay. Well, so Stephanie and I created, well, we became friends about 10 years ago, almost now we were actually both working as addiction clinicians in a methadone maintenance clinic. Mm. And yeah, we became really fast friends and we were doing a lot of clinical like education work together at the time and running some groups and addiction groups. And when we both left the clinics, we wanted to not only keep the friendship, but then also keep the education and the clinical stuff we were doing. So we kind of, we created actually a company where we were doing corporate wellness and corporate consulting. And then at the same time, we also branched into a psychotherapy practice together. And so we've always just sort of been, been working together. And through all of that time, both of us really uh, started to find really a love for things, like all things meditation and mindfulness. Both of us went on and did some training in meditation and mindfulness practice. I also became a yoga instructor and for both of us, it was more just things up to weave into our clinical work that we were doing and just recognizing the benefits. And we're always very, Steph and I are both researchers and educators. And so we're all about the science behind things. And we started really looking at the literature that was saying things like, you know, even a very short mindful practice every day can really have significant benefits. And we wanted our clients to, to feel those benefits. And absolutely. So that was sort of like the roots of things. And then about three years ago is when kind of things got, got real <laughs> in terms of home. <laughs> and one day we were, because we had been, you know, we had our private clinical psychotherapy practice together. We were running the corporate consulting. And we were also teaching at a couple of post-secondary institutions. And we were like, how do we take all of these wonderful things that we're doing and put it in one space? And it just started really as a bit of a dream, initially thinking maybe it would be like a small little wellness center, or a small clinic. And then we just started brainstorming. And from there, it just evolved into this like beautiful kind of brainstorm of like, we could have these you know, a huge studio and it could be all around meditation and mindful practice and let's put a salt cave in there and let's put a dark room, uh, fiber optic starry sky and a big living wall. And, and it sounds so, at the time, it sounded so off the wall. And then all of a sudden, I mean, I can tell you in reality, we actually have, we have it and we have the, it's there. <laughs> that is amazing. Uh, yeah. So we're sort of pinching ourselves sort of about this journey over the last three years. And we just opened, actually, we've been open for nine months today. So it's a little bit. Oh, ah, well, congratulations. Thank you. So that was sort of our, our journey to kind of get here. Now the name journey. You know, you know, yeah. And the name was sort of, it's, it's so interesting. And it kind of makes us laugh when we, when we tell the story, because we often when we were referring to home before and when we were referring to like all of the rooms, we always called our, for instance, like our front reception space, we always called it our living room. And we always pictured, you know, we were like, it needs to be a cozy, like someone's home and let's put a fireplace in there and let's have everyone just come as if you were in your living room at home. And so we kept always using the word like home and things like living room. And we called our, everyone like who works here, like our family and, so there was sort of this idea of home for a long time. Yeah. And then actually one of our partners on our team was like, why don't we call it home? 
And we were like, <laughs> it's a novel idea. <laughs> it's a novel idea. <laughs> like, it was just like, really? And then it was so, you know, because when you think about meditation, we think of coming home to yourself. Exactly. Like the sound, om, in home. Yep. Yep. So there was just so many sort of legs to it. And it just sort of so beautifully, like when our team, it was the first name, because we had been throwing around names for a long time. Yeah. And when that name came up, we were all just like, we love it. It we was meant to be. It was really meant to be. And then, yeah, and then we threw an A in there and stylized it a little. And, <laughs> and that's the story of home. Well, and it's incredible too, because I feel like there's a need for this modern meditation type of studio. You know, a while back when I was looking for, because when I actually went to California, that's when I first discovered more of like a modern meditation type of place to go. Because before, and especially in the city of Toronto where I am right now, because I had split my time between the two places, I found that into, I just wanted to be able to go somewhere, like you said, like my home, to feel comfortable and not have to commit to some of these places. It's like a three week, a six week, like not to really commit to something that I really didn't want to be that invested in when I was investigating, just looking into meditation and thinking about meditation. I wanted it to be easy and, and I didn't want to have to like put too much thought into it right away. So to have a place where you can just go and you can establish like a, a, a little community of other people who just want to have I don't want to call it like fast meditation, but just to have like, it's like when I go to a, a yoga class, mm -hmm. I love, I love going, I want to go, but if I had to commit, you know, other than if I was doing teacher training, but if I had to commit to some like six to eight week yoga venture or go on like a 10 day silent meditation retreat, that would actually deter me. Mm -hmm. as opposed to having it accessible and especially with your space, so beautiful and just so inviting and being able to like, I felt like that those were my people. <laughs> awesome. I'm so happy you say that because that was really one of the things that really led us with yes. the building of home is that we wanted it to be accessible. Like we know the benefits of meditation. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what, what holds a lot of people back are the strict guidelines. And sometimes it can be quite intimidating for people. Yeah. And so we were like, how do we take away the intimidation? How do we make a place that's comfortable as soon as you walk in? How do we have like the friendliest people who are greeting <laughs> you there that everyone's just happy to know, like happy to see you? And how do we just take all the guesswork out of meditation? So that's why you know, we take care of all the cushions and mats and all the props that you need. That's why the rooms are so immersive because it lends itself. It allows you to get into a more, um, into like a more meditative state. People who have never been able to quote unquote successfully meditate really feel that they can get into that deep relaxed or deep meditative state in the rooms because there's so much going on that right. they easily able to kind of slip mm -hmm. in so I love that you say it's accessible because that's exactly what we wanted it to <laughs> be the hope. Yeah. absolutely and I feel like when people come in they're already kind of like just with the atmosphere they're already kind of in that state as opposed to some other places that I've gone to where I felt a little bit anxious and I felt like I didn't fit in and I felt like I didn't know enough to be in the space yeah yeah, that's what we really wanted to, yeah, again, mm -hmm. accessibility was the, the big thing to take all that away so that you come in here and, yeah, you're at home. You just do what you got to do. 
<laughs> which is amazing. So I know that, I mean, there's still such a stigma attached to mental health and things like the Bell Let's Talk campaign that drives a lot of attention to, you know, just breaking that stigma. There's so many people speaking out, opening up about it. So how does home help people open up and let their guard down when it comes to that specific topic of mental health? Mm-hmm. I think first and foremost, one of the, the big things that kind of makes home stand out is that it's a meditation center that was created by two mental health clinicians. Yeah. Um, that's both Steph and I's clinical background. We have graduate degrees in, in mental health and have worked in the field for over a decade now working directly with people who are suffering from mental health diagnoses and conditions. And so, and we still do, we still have our psychotherapy practice and we are still actively working in the field. And I think just that in and of itself sort of makes what we do here unique. And even when we were just creating and concepting of the space, we actually looked at everything from a mental health perspective. We looked at things like inclusivity when it comes to like our washrooms and facilities. We looked at the impact of, things like trauma and knowing that, oh, you know, being in closed spaces can be triggering for some people. So we actually created really beautiful, like uh, ceiling installations on our, on our ceiling so that people maybe don't have to close their eyes if it doesn't feel accessible for them. So even just in the way that we've created this safe space here was really done from a mental health perspective. So I think that's the first bit that we've been able to, to bring in is just that lens. Yeah. But also we know meditation just in general is really good for mental health and mental wellness. And that was something that both led us, it was that research and that realization that led us to even creating home was the realization that, you know, med- meditation helps things like particularly really well, like anxiety mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. disorders, right? We yeah. know breathing and breath work, you know, can actually help calm somebody down from a panic attack faster than the fastest acting anti-anxiety medication. So it's really powerful stuff when it comes to our mental health. Even things like sleep, you know, meditation has been shown to really uh, help support good restorative sleep. Um, Lots of different types of wellness. People use it for depression, um, focus, creativity, drive performance, all of these kinds of things. So um, that's really been, I think, the part for me when it comes to like a mental health and mental wellness is we know meditation is, is well validated to help our, our mental health. Absolutely. And I mean, I used to suffer from PMDD, which is premenstrual dysphoric mm-hmm. disorder. I've talked about it a few times on this show. And, and also a lot of anxiety just associated around that, leading up to my period, things like that. And it took me a long time to figure out that I needed to change what I was eating, how I was moving, and a large piece of that, and this is why I totally believe in um, having like working elements in your life to sort of balance you out, a large piece of that was meditation. And I mean, once I started to incorporate meditation, it completely changed my life. Like it was the final piece that I needed to live happier and healthier and, and just start working on myself to, you know, change the way I react to certain things or don't react to certain things. Um, and I was able to actually go off of my meds because of all of those elements in my life. It's amazing. That's great. And like, that's the part that's so always so great to hear is these stories where people say like meditation has changed my life. 
right? Or meditation, particularly things like stress, right? Like we know meditation mm -hmm. can lower cortisol and stress hormone, but I love hearing these stories and hearing how meditation can really have such a profound change on people. I always feel like when I hear these stories, it's like, it feels like meditation can sometimes be like a wonder drug mm -hmm. with no adverse effects. <laughs> it's like right. one of those things yeah. where it's like, if someone told you all of these things would be in this one little pill, like we would all be popping that pill. Um, but this is something that isn't a pill, but there are also no adverse effects from, you know, sitting and just being with yourself for, yeah. you know, even a couple of minutes a day, you'll start to see some of the benefits of meditation. Oh, absolutely. So do you think, for example, let's talk about the anxiety piece. Do you think with anxiety, I mean, how, how can somebody start to reduce their anxiety with meditation? How many times should they do it in a week or, you know, how many minutes in a day? Is there like a structure that they should follow or should they just get started? We always want to encourage people to just get started, like yeah. just start. And because we know that meditation can sometimes be, you know, anxiety provoking to the thought of it, and it can sometimes be intimidating, you know, just starting, like just saying, you know, you're going to do it for three minutes a day, or you're going to try and sit still for, you know, a couple breaths per day, just starting and just having the, you know, the mindset to get in and get started, I would say that's number one. So just commit to something for a very, very short period of time and try to do it most days. Don't put parameters around it. There's no right or wrong. We don't have to be perfect at it, but just start start moving, start, start going somewhere with it. Then I would say, I would encourage kind of starting to increase the time. And we do know that there are like some preliminary studies that are really showing the benefits of 10 to 12 minutes per day um, on the low end. And then we really do see kind of that 20 to 30, 30. minutes um, to have really, really strong clinical benefits. And, and so there's lots of different ways where people can get started. So there's, you know, there's walking meditations that people can do where you're just walking mindfully. And now that it's a little bit nicer here in Toronto, um, it's a lot easier to get out there. There's just a couple moments where you just take a couple breaths to yourself. There's some really great apps. And then of course people can come to a studio like ours and, um, and, and take a group class. We also have an introduction to meditation class. Here. Oh, that's perfect. Class. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where the instructor really walks you through kind of how to meditate, you know, the different types of meditation and breath work, how to sit, how to get comfortable. And, um, and so you feel that you actually have some guidance when starting your practice. Right. I love that you mentioned that because it takes the pressure off. And I think that when you have something that is too rigid or too difficult to start, especially in the beginning too, like for example, with plant-based nutrition, which everyone knows I'm all about. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if I start my, my clients on a regimen where it's like, no, this is all the stuff that you have to cut out, cut it all out, then they're really going to be deterred. And it's going to be like, well, this isn't sustainable and this isn't fun. <laughs> Why the heck would I do it? Oh, but it's healthy. But people don't care whether it's healthy if it's too hard to just start up in the beginning, I find too. So I love that you mentioned that. Um, I remember going to a meditation studio. This one was in California. And I just noticed because everyone's standing around waiting for the class to start and you're kind of like standing outside the door. And I, I, I would look at other people's faces because I like to observe what's going on around me. And I found the one thing that I noticed before the class started was you could almost see the wheels turning in everyone's head. 
you know, it was a no cell phone zone. So it was great because nobody was on their phone, but you could see that they're still like in that cycle of, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And then after the class, it was really amazing to see the change in their faces. Uh, it was almost like they had an afterglow and yeah. like they were so relaxed. Do you notice that? We do. And it's so funny that you mention it because one of our, one of our, the best moments that Seven and I had when we first opened home was very early on, like sort of like the first week or so. What we loved to do is stand, we would stand in our back hallway as people were coming out of the classes to see that, this afterglow, like you would literally see it on their faces when they would be coming out. It was like there was like this lightness or they were like floating and they just looked like they had this just amazing experience in that room. And that was something we just loved. And we would look at each other and be like, oh my gosh, like that's so cool that they had that. And how do you think someone can, you know, because after a couple of hours, you're back on your phone, you're dealing with work stuff and all that. How can somebody... Uh, implement a, a, a few techniques where they can kind of like keep that afterglow going for a little bit longer. I mean, definitely like the longer you can maintain, I think staying off of the electronics, right? Mm -hmm. Right away that you're not like running to the locker to like go check your phone, like maybe grab your bag and just like kind of leave and mindfully walk back to wherever it is that you need to go. Or sit in the living room. Or sit in our living room or just enjoy oh, yeah. Something that you can just sort of prolong that and allow yourself to just sort of stay in, the, in that space but then I also think being able to carry little moments with you so maybe it was like a visualization that the instructor led you through or maybe it was a certain you know focus on your breath being able to kind of recall that at a certain time later on in your day like maybe when you're sitting at your desk at three in the afternoon to just bring yourself back to that breath so those kinds of things sometimes um, we use a, some different essential oils in our classes and so that can be really good as kind of being able to bring that scent home with you. And then that scent will kind of bring you back to that Zen moment when you smell it. Um, so those kinds of things can kind of help. I, lo I definitely love that you mentioned that because I notice when it comes down to finding essential oils and stuff like that, that I keep in my house here, there's one, there's an element of when my husband and I go to California, he can finally turn off mm -hmm. and, and in Toronto he can't, but for some reason he can there. So I thought, okay, well, what I'm going to do is all, we have a bunch of nebulizers there. So I thought what I'm going to do is take all of the scents that we use there, all of the essential oils we use there and bring them home. Mm -hmm. And it was funny because he came into the bedroom after work and he was like, oh, it smells like California in here. <laughs> and I was like, does it relax you a little? He's like, it kind of does. See? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Scents really go a long way at like bringing us back to wherever it was that we smelt it the, that first time. So. Oh, yeah. And especially if it's associated with something calming or like a happy yeah. moment, it, it's just so great. So let's talk a little bit about mindful eating because I don't think that a lot of people fully understand how eating mindlessly, and I'm going to say that again, eating <laughs> mindlessly. Uh, can impact our health and well-being. And I know from in my past too, and, and some of the clients who I speak with, uh, a lot of their issues start with digestive issues because they're literally doing one thing and they're just mindlessly eating. They're not even chewing properly. Um, and then that just leads to a bunch of digestive issues leading to all other issues. Uh, but usually that's the root cause. Um, so how important is it to activate our parasympathetic system before you eat? Um, and how do you think that 
this can also be applied to say before a stressful event or even after a stressful event. And can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, I think it is interesting. I, I worked in the emergency department as a crisis clinician for five years. And one of the most common medical or physical complaints that would come in, but that would then eventually be shifted over to our psychiatry team was gastrointestinal upset. Mm-hmm. And so people coming in, actually a friend of mine who's a gastroenterologist here now sees IBS as a primarily stress-induced and stress-related illness. And so it's really kind of powerful to think of, of you know, we know the gut and the brain and gut kind of connection there, but the impact that stress has on our digestive health. Right. And that's directly to the fight or flight response, right. And the sympathetic activation of our nervous system. And if you think in kind of our modern day times, we are kind of inundated with stress all day long and stimulation. And so things like cortisol levels are always rising for many of us, Um, adrenaline and norepinephrine, all of those kinds of things are in often high volumes in our bodies all the time. And so the fact is when we're in this like high, fight or flight kind of system, our stomach is not digesting properly because it's a survival thing. We don't want to be digesting food if we have to like be on alert for something. But the problem is if we're not having this parasympathetic activation very often, this rest and digest system, then many of us do get gastro upset and sluggish bowels and all of these kinds of things. So being able to activate parasympathetic system actually helps to then move things along and literally will help us to to digest and help some of these things. And that really links, you know, directly with mindful eating and stuff used to do some, some work in mindful eating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We used to run mindful eating programming for individuals with um, eating disorders. So anorexia, and also binge eating disorder um, to really kind of reduce some of the triggers around food um, to make peace with some of those triggers around food and then also to you know be more present because so often we eat and we don't pay attention to what we're eating and I always like to use the analogy of like when you know you're eating a bag of chips in front of the television and then you go to put your hand in and there's more and you can't believe that you ate that bag of chips and you're like wow these are a lot smaller than they used to be but you weren't paying attention you don't remember that um and so how do we bring that pleasure back to the food that we eat kind of three times a day and how do we you know how are we more present with what we're eating so we actually you know, can feel some of the nourishment that we're putting into our body. Right. Right. And and what are some techniques that we can use? Like I know I've heard just uh, have like a couple mindful breaths in and out before you actually start eating, Um, take breaks in between bites, like don't just shove it in. What, What are some of your thoughts? Yeah, those are those are amazing. So the first one is to always just kind of you know, and it goes hand in hand with just this practice of gratitude. But, you know, just before you sit down to eat um, is just to be grateful for the fact that you have food to eat. And, you know, so take a couple moments to just, you know, be grateful for what's in front of you. And then I always say like approach eating like you're, you're just, like your wine tasting. And so, you know, notice the colors, notice the smells, notice the textures, um, and just, you know, really eat with all of your senses and, and slow down when you're eating it. Because, you know, when you wine, t- like when you taste wine, it's kind of your, your, your mindfully drinking in a way because you're noticing the colors, you're (laughs) noticing the smells, you're swishing it around your mouth. You're noticing where it tastes at different aspects of your mouth. Um, 
And so let's do the same thing with eating. And just by nature of doing that, just by nature of trying to, you know, incorporate all of our senses when we eat, that will slow things down. And you will end up feeling more satisfied when you're really fully paying attention to what you're eating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love the wine tasting analogy. Totally. And I think the last one is always like to not have distractions. I think Mm -hmm. how many of us are eating, like shoveling food in our front of our face, like in front of a television, right? Or yeah. our computers or looking at our phone. Or driving. Or driving. <laughs> or doing anything else other than just eating. Yeah. And so that's something I think for a lot of people to be able to practice is to close down any of the other distractions in the electronics. Well, it's a huge piece. I know, you know, there, there have been a few clients in my life who have said, you know, I'm still hungry after I'm eating these meals that you're providing to me. And I said, well, are you mindfully eating them? Mm-hmm. And right. both answers were no. And as soon as we incorporated removing the uh, distractions and slowing down, which is like my number one thing, slowing down, appreciating what you're eating, really activating all of your senses, then they were like, oh, it took me a heck of a lot longer to eat, but I felt fulfilled after. And it was the same amount. And I mean, I did a one day, a one day silent retreat. I did it with my sister, which we hadn't seen each other in a while. So it was a little, it was probably a bad idea (laughs) because what we want to do is talk. But, um, but when we had lunch, we, it was my first time incorporating mindful eating and it was so powerful. And when we finally went on break to talk to each other, my sister was like, oh my gosh, that was life changing for me. And that's something I'm going to take away from today. And, uh, and, and it was, the food tasted better. It smelled better. We didn't, and I mean, they weren't large portions, but we didn't feel hungry after it was just, it was at first it was a little weird because you're sitting at a table with all these people, but it was incredible by the end of it. Yeah, it sounds amazing. And that's the thing. It just, it takes a couple, you know, experiences to really understand and, and really get how powerful this practice can be. Well, it's, it's, it, it's kind of no surprise. Like one of the, the sort of most well-known um, mindful practices is the raisin mm-hmm. eating practice, which is like where you take a raisin and you essentially like take like 30 minutes to eat it. Love right? it. <laughs> Because you're like smelling it and feeling it and looking at it and touching it. And I remember at first, uh, you know, thinking like, this is kind of silly. But then when you kind of get into it, you're like, wow, like I've never really looked at my food that way or, or thought about it in, in that way yeah. until you do this practice. And then you're like, that's pretty powerful. Oh, for sure. It, it changes your whole perspective. Yeah. So final question for you ladies. And this is for both of you. So if you could go back and give your younger self a pep talk on the biggest impact that meditation has had on your life, what would you tell younger Steph and younger Carolyn? Interesting one. That's a great one. I think I would probably, I know what I would tell younger Carolyn. It's I don't know if I would stress. tell you. That's all going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> I would tell younger Carolyn the benefits of meditation for sleep. Oh, for when you start working your night shifts. Yeah, I think for me, meditation has the, the most profound impact has been in two spaces in my life. It's been in my management of stress, because I, I just inherently take on a lot of things and I work jobs that are inherently stressful. Right. But working in the emergency department, I was working 12 hour shifts and I wasn't sleeping because many of them were overnights and day shifts and I'm not a day sleeper and then I would have other things going on in my day. So my sleep at all turned around and upside down and so meditation that was when I really pushed heavily into meditative practice was for sleep so yeah younger self like 
stress management though and sleep management? I would tell younger staff, I would probably tell the younger staff the benefits of meditation for focus. Mm. Um, I've always just been a very busy person. I was, I always joke. I was like a very overprogrammed child. There was always classes every night after school and there was always a lot going on. And all through, you know, university and my career, I was always in school and volunteering and working and, you know, had a social life. And so there's always, there's always been a lot of balls in the air. Um, and I feel that meditation has really, really helped me to, um, you know, manage a lot on my plate and really focus on the tasks at hand. And so, you know, when I have something to work on to, to work on, I feel that I can very easily kind of slip into the zone to get things done. Um, and I feel that meditation has really played, played a role um, and really added that benefit to my life. Oh, I love those answers. Those are wonderful because I think that there are a lot of people who uh, are suffering from sleep deprivation. There are, you know, a lot of personalities out there too, like myself as well, who have all these balls in the air and it's like, how do I manage all of them and stay grounded? So I love those answers. So thank you. Well, thank you ladies for being on the show. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Hey guys, Jennifer Z here. Thanks for listening to the Jennifer Z plant-based and happy podcast. It is growing exponentially and It's just so amazing to be able to get the word about plant-based nutrition and all of its benefits and everything that comes with the plant-based lifestyle out there. The more I share my story and and the more I'm able to educate everyone on plant-based nutrition, the happier I am. So it's just so great to be able to have so many amazing plant-based advocates come on this show and dedicate time to chat with me and share their expertise with you. So not only do I want to thank all of my listeners for listening, but I want to thank all of my amazing guests who have so graciously devoted time to chat with me and to share their story as well. So one of the things that actually led me to decide that I wanted to create this podcast was I had just finished wrapping up my Mastering Your Life with Plant-Based Nutrition online summit where I had 20 world-renowned plant-based experts and advocates all devote their time to share their plant-based journey and to educate my audience on the amazing benefits of living a plant-based life. So wrapping that up, there was kind of like an afterglow feeling, a little bit of a feeling of what do I do now? And I just enjoyed talking to people about plant-based nutrition and the plant-based lifestyle so much so that I decided I didn't want that to end. So that's initially what led me to create this podcast and this platform to share this lifestyle with more listeners. So this plant-based online summit is like my baby basically. And I'm so proud of it. And I'm so thankful for all of the amazing guests who came on and devoted their time to chat with me and share their plant-based expertise with my entire audience. So if you haven't checked out my Plant-Based Mastery Online Summit yet, 
then I highly encourage you to go ahead and head on over to plantbasedmasterysummit.com. That's P-L-A-N-T-B-A-S-E-D-M-A-S-T-E-R-Y-S-U-M-M-I-T.com and check it out because whether you are just transitioning, you're in the early stages of making that transition, you're thinking about transitioning, or even if you are a seasoned plant-based person, you will get something beneficial out of each and every one of these 20 interviews. So thank you so much for continuing to support the podcast and continuing to choose to optimize your very own health by taking control of your diet and lifestyle. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye.